morning in my CC. Let's approach our Father with joy and Thank you for this new life. 
You've rescued us from darkness, from fear, from sin, Lord. Yes,
The storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain. 
will let us down. Our politicians will let us down. All the things that we love, our spouses, our kids, our parents, they'll let us down. And that's okay. No matter how good your truck is, it will let you down. Your home, your property, it will let you down. Your health one day will let you down. Your work will let you down. Your effectiveness will let you down. Your body, as you age, will continue inevitably to let you down. But church, there is one thing that does not fail. There's one thing that doesn't let us down. There's one thing that will never let us fall. There's one thing that will never let us quit. There's one thing that will never leave us behind because we falter. It will not let us down. His name is Jesus. Jesus. You're faithful not because of my faithfulness, not because of my faith, but because of your goodness, God. This morning we celebrate communion. You can grab the cup. It's probably in your chair somewhere. In Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 14, Scripture says that all things were created through him and by him and for him. And he was placed as the head over every authority, over every king and throne and dominion. And he's the head of the body, which is the church. 
and it says all things are held together in him in the name of Jesus so this morning the, the cup that we have the juice Jesus says do this in remembrance of me and our cup represents the remembrance that Jesus did not let us down he reconciled us to God our perfect father through his blood that's the juice and the bread represents that we're reconciled to one another he will not let us down look you'll let each other down your pastors will let you down your small group people will let you down but Jesus does not let our connection to each other down even many of us in this room that shouldn't be able to be friends we come to the Lord's table and we find similarity in this we all have the same savior we're all let down by all the same things and we only have one thing in common that doesn't let us down his name is Jesus so that bread represents the fact that we're part of the same body so right now we're gonna do this together we're gonna receive the juice that represents the blood of Jesus sacrifice from a perfect savior for imperfect people Now, when you're ready, we're going to receive this cracker that represents the bread, the body of Christ that we're brought together in him. Thank you, Jesus, for reminding us and letting us remember that in you, all things are held together by your blood and your body in Jesus' name. Let's worship together.
That's enough greeting. That's enough greeting. Okay. Okay. My name is Darius. I'm one of the pastors here. Welcome. Good morning. Are you excited to be at church today? Because I am. Woo woo. Um, hey, really quick, for those of you who are just coming back uh, in person for the first time in a while, thank you so much for being back with us. For those of you who are online this morning, thank you so much for being online with us. I think that's amazing. Uh, there's, I never, ever, ever will discount again uh, being a part of an online church community because it's a powerful thing. I don't want to lose it, uh, but I'm thankful for uh, everybody who feels safe to be here today and everybody who's back after a while, and everybody is who's new. Man, if you're just finding uh, this church, Mount Rainier Christian Center, uh, we're excited to potentially be family for you. So anyway, uh, again, welcome. Uh, there's a few things that I need to talk about this morning that I just kind of want to give you a little bit of an update, family update on. The first thing is this, is we have a family picnic that we're doing with all of our church. You're all welcome. Uh, June 13th. So there's going to be free food. There will be tables out there, uh, you know, all the stuff on the screen. Bring your own uh, stuff, <laughs> anything that you want to bring. Uh, also, I've been told Captain America is making an appearance at the picnic. So that's really, I'm surprised you're really excited about that. I thought I was the only one, me and Pastor Greg. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be fun for, for, for sure. It's going to be fun. There will be inflatables out for the kids and games and stuff. So if, you're, if you want to come, hang out. We'll be at the end of the morning services. So it will be around noon to around 3 p.m. We'll be out there. Uh, if you can do me a favor, take that card out from the seat pocket in front of you. It's a little card, and it says connect on it. I just want to look at that together really quick. Uh, one of the things that we want to make sure is that we bless each other and serve each other well uh, as a church family at the, at the picnic. If you are interested in an opportunity to get involved, get in a team, help, serve, be a part of making the picnic happen, we're trying to get around 40 or 50 people that could be a part of that. You'd serve for about 45 minutes. We'll be in touch with you throughout the next couple weeks. Uh, you can just write your name on that card if you're interested. And there's a couple ways you can respond to that card, so you can take a look at it real quick. But you can write your name on that card and just write picnic on there. And does anybody else you hear you hear Yogi Bear whenever someone says picnic? Just me? Okay. Uh, my bad. <laughs> so anyway, if you're interested in, in getting involved, uh, an opportunity to serve there at the picnic, I'll follow up. You just write picnic on that card. And then I think there's a sign-up sheet out at the booth in the lobby. And then also online at mrccnow.org, you can sign up to serve and be a part of the team doing the picnic. So, so it'll be fun. Uh, also on June 13th, we are celebrating our graduates. Anybody graduating in here? All right. Or as we say in Arkansas, graduating. And uh, that's not true. We just say it the normal way. Uh, just not many of us do it. <laughs> My, I'm kidding. I love, I love Arkansas. Anyway, um, I'm from Arkansas. That's, that's the joke. Um, graduation Sunday is on June 13th. Send us, if you do have somebody that's graduating high school or college or trade school or clown school or whatever, send us a baby picture. And send us a graduation picture, and we'll share those on June 13th. That'll be really cool for us as a family to be able to do. Send those to josh at mrccnow.org. Me and Josh work together in the youth department. He's our primary youth pastor. So uh, send those to him, and we'll, we'll get those up. Um, the third thing that we're doing on June 13th is we're launching some summer groups. If you're not connected to a small group right now, we want to get you connected to a small group. So we've got a few happening. You can check them out at mrccnow.org, or you can write down groups 
on your card and leave it in your seat when you leave the room today. We'll find those and we'll, we'll follow up with you and connect with you. We're excited about what God's doing with our groups this summer. Uh, on June 27th is the last thing. I know it's a lot. Um, on June 27th, we have our, um, uh, it's called our business meeting. And so if you're a church member, if you've gone through membership, you're part of our membership uh, at MRCC, we have a business meeting. We didn't get to have one last year because of all the COVID stuff. So we had an emergency postponing, and now we're doing our 2021 business meeting. So that'll be fun again on June 27th. More info if you need times and, and stuff like that at uh, mrccnow.org. So uh, all that to be said, we're going to play a Memorial Day video in a moment to celebrate Memorial Day. But Pastor Greg and I were talking this week and uh, my older brother was in the 82nd Airborne 325th Company, uh, White Falcons, and uh, he deployed to Iraq three times. Now, we didn't lose my brother, thank God. It felt like we lost him every time he deployed because you don't get to talk to him and you don't know where he's at or if he's coming home. But he himself lost a lot of friends. And uh, Pastor Greg and I were talking, and you know Pastor Greg, if you know him, he has a military background. And Here's what's important to us for, for Memorial Day is not that we celebrate heroes and not that we celebrate um, people who did something heroic as much as that we just don't forget that people existed. If you're in the military, you know that the people that you serve with are not just acquaintances, they're brothers and sisters. And uh, we, don't, we want you to know if you've lost somebody, like my brother did, that we remember with you the people that you've lost. We're not going to forget their service, but we're also just not going to forget that they were a person. God made them with a purpose. He created them to laugh, to cry, to love. And uh, the fact that they're not with us this morning is heavy with us. But we're not going to forget people who lost their lives in fighting a war in service of our country. So uh, you go ahead and check out this video. And then after that, we're going to have Pastor Zach come up. He's going to preach this morning. Good morning, Mount Rainier Christian Center. It is uh, an honor to be uh, together this morning on, on this Memorial Day weekend. And, you know, as we watch that video and reflect and 
hear what uh, you know, Pastor Darius was talking about, the way that we remember. I think the number one way that we celebrate and honor uh, the freedom that we live in is by fully living. Amen? Uh, I think it's the number one way we celebrate and honor the life that, that Jesus laid down for you and me is to fully live as followers of Christ. And, and I think it's the same, even in our country. I think we, uh, it, it came at a cost. And uh, so while we're barbecuing hot dogs and hamburgers and enjoying uh, sleeping in tomorrow morning um, when the sun's actually going to shine on a World Day weekend, um, it, is, uh, it is a time to pause and reflect uh, that we get to enjoy all of that uh, because of some other, somebody else's payment. And so what a wonderful thing. Uh, if, I, if we haven't met, my name is Zach. I know, uh, boy, there's a lot of people uh, and faces I don't recognize uh, at MRCC and uh, we uh, had the privilege uh, of serving here seven and a half years on staff, and, but this has been church home uh, since 1998 uh, for Jess and I. We graduated from college and moved back here, and this has been our church home. We walked in, you, you know, the kids' church was the main sanctuary, and, uh, and we never left until they finally kicked me out two years ago. But uh, I want to say welcome to church this morning. Uh, clearly, uh, none of you have travel trailers, otherwise you'd be gone, um, but it's still wonderful uh, to be in God's house and, and gather with God's people and gather around the table of the Lord this morning. Such a precious time to just reflect and remember um, what Jesus has done for, for us and, and how it makes us a we. And so for Jess and I, this is always, this is home, even though now we serve our fellowship of churches and travel across Washington, North Idaho. And, and so twice a month about we're here, um, this is home. This is always going to be home. And uh, I mean, at some point, that will probably not be true. And we don't want to think about that because I'll start to cry right away. But, uh, but for this morning, we're glad to be here. Love this team. Love what God's doing through this church in our community. And, uh, you know, Pastor Greg uh, is a dear friend. I find myself still saying, right, it's been two years, and I still find myself saying, you know what Pastor says? And, and I want, that. I wish that wasn't true. But he's so, he's right about a lot of things. And specifically, he's right about God's word. Right? There's some things that he's not right about. Right? Diet Coke is not good. <laughs> Minis are not manly. <laughs> and velvet jackets should never be worn. Okay? So he's definitely wrong on those things. Uh, but when it comes to God's word, uh, he, he is a student of it, and he poured that and invested that into me, and I'm so thankful to have that foundation uh, as a young minister and training and growing, and, and so I'm thankful for that. But this morning... We're going to be in uh, Colossians uh, in your New Testament. Um, we're going to be there for uh, the majority of our time. It's kind of the, the, we're going to camp right on one passage because it's a passage that, that's going to speak to you and I about something significant in, in our lives as we've chosen to be followers of Jesus. Uh, if, if you're here this morning and, and that's not you, like you've, you, you have not made that commitment and you're exploring uh, the claims of Christ and the faith of Christianity, um, you're going to be invited later to say yes to what Jesus would call us to. But for, for those of us that, are, that, that have said yes to Jesus, we're going to look at a passage that's going to challenge us because we're going to discover that this, there's a process that God has, has given that we would become like Jesus. And so we're going to read out of Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 9 uh, through verse 12. Uh, one of the things that's new for me is these um, you know, my family has no mercy for me because they've all worn glasses since they were like in third grade. And they're like, really, Dad? You're like 45 and you finally have to wear reading glasses and you're going to complain? We've been wearing glasses since we were, like, 
And like one of them was like, have you ever had to play a basketball game with the old, you know, strap around your glasses? No, you know? And, uh, and so, but it is, and, but I can only use them for reading, right? When I put them on and I look out, I feel like I go like Jack Sparrow, like I lose all my equilibrium and I, and I, and I get all dizzy. So, but I'm going to have to use them this morning as we get in God's word. Chapter one, uh, starting in verse nine, it says this, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So that. Now I'm a fan here. If you have your pen with you or if you'd like to mark in your Bible, if you have a highlighter on your device, I, 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 every time I come across that phrase, so that, uh, I underline it, circle it. It's, it's important because what's coming to next is like he just told you, like, here, you've gotten this, but there's a reason for it. And here it is. He says, he says, you've been filled with this understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Would you pray with me this morning? Fathers, we read uh, from your word as we read it. God, we want to approach it understanding and knowing uh, that you have chosen to communicate to us uh, in this way. That by this, we may hear your heart. So God, open our hearts, soften our hearts, remove blinders from eyes, open our ears to receive. May we be receptive to what it is that you would do in our life. May we hear your heart for us today. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, sandwiched in the middle of this passage is this key uh, idea, this main phrase that we're going we're gonna to camp on today. And, and it's this, that we would live a life worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in every way. That we would live a life worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in every way. See, some here me today or maybe watching online, you get it. Right? You've, you've learned the secret of orienting your life around the person of Jesus. And you've learned what it's like to say, you know what, Jesus is going to be the main thing. He's the, he's, he's, I'm gonna, everything is going to be yielded to the person of Jesus. I've, I've said that he's not only just my Savior, he's Savior for my sin, but he's my Lord. And he is therefore the one that I is going to be my leader and I'm going to follow him. And then there's the rest of us that are like so easily can orient our life around ourself. You know, Jess will often ask this question. She'll say, what do you want for dinner? And I'm of the opinion that nobody else's opinion in our home matters. Right? When she asks what I would like for dinner, I'm going to say it. And so when somebody else gives an opinion, I don't understand why that gets even a voice. Because I easily make my life about me. Years ago, uh, Jess did, uh, went through this dietary thing, and she started doing the whole gluten-free. And, like, I know restaurants buy their gluten, right? I like the glutens. <laughs> and so when we'd go to eat something, she'd say, well, where do you want to eat? It doesn't matter where I want to eat. Because I'm going to say something, and you're like, well, they don't have anything for gluten-free. Now, thank God, restaurants are coming a long way, Amen. But at the time, they didn't. And so when Ava and I or Megan and I would go somewhere and we would go out to eat, it's like it felt like the world was before us. <laughs> and we were going to eat extra gluten. 
But as a family, we would, we would want to make those considerations for one another, and we would want to, to say, like, we want to, we want to choose, obviously because we want to be together, we don't want it to be, to be detrimental to their health in it, but we would, we would see the limits of our choice. In this passage, what God wants us to hear is understand his heart, that before us is this life as a follower of Jesus, but there's a specific way that we choose to lean in to becoming like Christ. One of the big mistakes that, that we make when we set out to follow Jesus is that, that we want it all now. Right? When we observe the life of another believer and we think, oh man, I want a prayer life like that, or I want bold faith like that, or I want to, I want to know what it's like to be just radically generous and not thinking about yourself like I want to, what's it be to be completely selfless? But what we don't know is what it took to get there. Right? What we haven't seen is, is the countless hours in their prayer closet. The quiet time that they spend with Jesus so that there's a, a bond and intimacy that has brought them close together. We just see the outward, and so we want a shortcut. So often we want shortcuts. You know, in the two years that, uh, since I've taken the role as the youth director for the Northwest Ministry Network, um, I've gained 20 pounds, right? So if you're watching online, and it looks like, you know, they say the camera adds 10 pounds there's four cameras on me, okay? <laughs> but here's the thing. Like, so a couple weeks ago, I said, okay, I got to turn this truck around. Uh, just, I mean, a, a living example is this shirt used to button well. <laughs> and this morning, that wasn't happening. And so I started, I just searched like some, some workouts. And I just, you know, printed a couple things, get through a couple things on my phone. It's like, okay, I can, I can do those things. But you know what happened is that going forward, every time I would jump on to do some homework and online or, or research something or just jump on social media, every ad was for some sort of weight loss gimmick, right? Everything was like, lose 10 pounds in eight minutes. <laughs> you know, and there's one that said, yeah, you know, just drink this every night before bed. Every night before bed, change nothing. But drink this every night before bed, and you'll lose a pound a day. Now, I'm not dumb enough to click on that. I mean, that's a, that's a train wreck. And let's just be honest, right? If something will actually make you lose a pound a day without doing anything else and changing anything, it means it's killing you, right? It, it's, it's not good for you. But it's so tempting because we like shortcuts, we want to arrive somewhere without all the, ch uh, the challenge, without all the training, without the hassle, without the discipline that's required to actually have to set the alarm 30 minutes to get, earlier, to get up earlier and work out or to eat less junk food. And, I mean, you name it, right? We would love those types of shortcuts. And in this passage, what the Apostle Paul is going to talk about is that there is a process to becoming like Jesus, that there's a process that, that God pours into us that transforms you and I, but it doesn't happen in an instant. And it's encouraging because in, in, centered on that phrase that to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord, right? That's worthy of God. We want to do that, right? We want to do it today, right? We don't want to like wait until the end. We want to do it now. And the process is what honors God. I love the book of Colossians for a lot of reasons, but the number one reason is that it's intensely practical, right? If you were to boil it down, like if, if the Apostle Paul was writing this and he was from Arkansas or Alabama, right, and, to, and he was writing it today, the theme for the book of Colossians would be, y'all need Jesus. Right? That's just it. 
right? And there's a reason, and we're going to get to that. There's a reason that he's writing in such a way and, and why it's so straightforward, why he just keeps pounding and coming back. You need Jesus. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is supreme. Jesus is over all. Jesus is the one that gives you what you need. He keeps coming back to that, and there's a reason. And, and so the way that he approaches it is so simple is, is, is for a reason. You know, we watched just a few months ago uh, something extraordinary in sports. I don't know if you're a sports person, but, but whether you're out or not, you can always appreciate when somebody does something that's out of the ordinary. And, and we watched an NFL quarterback who was in his 40s win the Super Bowl. And he didn't just do it with a team that he'd been with forever. He did it with a brand new team. Now, we know we're talking about Tom Brady, who's played in 10 Super Bowls. He's won seven. And, I, and I'm not making any statements about Tom Brady. I'm not suggesting that there should be an asterisk by his name because of the whole deflate gate or the whole cheat scandal. I'm not suggesting such things. <laughs> but what I am saying is that in his career, he's experienced something extraordinary. Not just the wins, but the longevity, the age. Most NFL players, they're washed up and done at 30, in their early 30s. When I was 33 years old, I worked on a house uh, for an NFL uh, football player that... Um, who had retired, and I was just like blown away when I was in his house working, and we started talking. I'm like, well, you know, what are you, you know, what, are you going to another team? I didn't know he was retired. He goes, no, I retired. I said, why? And he had been a wide receiver, and he said, they're going younger at my position. I'm like, you're 33. Same age as me. I like all of a sudden, I was like, I'm old. <laughs> but in the sport world, it's a very short life, and, and but so Tom Brady goes in, and he goes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he steps in. And, and how many knows that when they began to prepare for the Super Bowl, that what Tom Brady had to say mattered a little more? See, because Tom Brady, being in his early 40s, would know that he might not get another shot at it. That this might be his last. That he wasn't going to fill any sort of uh, any meetings with fluff. He was going to only talk about what mattered. And what had mattered, he had learned over the period of a full career, over 20-some years in playing football, right? And he, wouldn't, and he wouldn't be talking about things that are peripheral, things that don't matter. He would only zero in on the main things. And see, so you know who needed it more than anybody else? Tom Brady. See, because Tom Brady's no longer in his prime. His counterpart on the other side was young, more athletic, was the, you know, his career's on the rise, but Tom Brady is in his 40s. When Tom Brady gets up in the morning, he feels a little bit different than Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> and so he was going to need to rely on what he had learned only through training, through countless hours of film, recovery from ACL tears, countless hours of lifting weights and, and body discipline and watching film, all the things that he had to go through to get there he was going to need to rely on. And it didn't happen overnight. It happened as a process. He had to have patience, and he had to endure a lot to get there. And so this could be his last shot. Last shot. Well, this is just that we're talking about a silly football game, right? We're talking about the Super Bowl. When the Apostle Paul writes this to the Colossians, he's talking about eternal things. You see, the Apostle Paul is in chains. He's in jail, and he may not get another shot to write this letter to the Colossian church. Not only was he writing this letter to this Colossian church, he had never met this church. This isn't one of his works. This is, he's, he's heard about this work that God has done in, this, in Colossia and, he, and he's growing. And he's like, I've got to write to them. They need to hear some things. 
I need to, and, and, and in this moment, not ever knowing, he's handing off his ministry to other people, not ever knowing if he's ever going to get to meet them in person, not ever knowing that he gets to, to, to walk alongside them and build them up. He sends this letter, and he goes, here's the thing. I've heard about you, and I'm praying for you, but I'm going to pray something very specific because what God has placed in your life is real. What you've received is real. But there are going to be things that want to pull and tug and get you off course. They're going to be tempting you to take a shortcut and get around the process that God has for you. I love in this, that, you know, for this Colossian church, can you imagine receiving this letter from the Apostle Paul? The Apostle Paul, right, who has, is in chains for the gospel, who's, who's renowned for planting, just exploding the church across the Gentile world. And he chose to write to you. And he says, this is what I'm praying for. How much more is it when someone says to you, they walk up and say, you, you express something, you share something that's on your heart, and they say, I'm praying for you. How much more meaningful is it when they say, here's what I'm praying. You shared about your marriage struggle. but I'm praying that God is going to restore your marriage. You're praying about a, a physical health, and they start praying, telling you exactly what they're praying. That has a lot more meaning, amen, than when someone just says, hey, I'm praying for you. And so the Apostle Paul writes this letter to them and says, this is how I'm praying. I'm specifically praying that, in, that when this new life that Jesus has offered you, that you have received, and for which you've been called, that there will be many things that pull and distract and attempt to cloud and get you off course. And the life itself will cause drift. But here's the good news. God gives you everything you need. If you're writing this morning, if you're taking notes, the title of this morning's message is, It's All You Need. It's All You Need. The number one thing that, the, that we need to discover in this text and what God wants to speak to our hearts today is that everything we need, God gives us in Jesus. But what he gives, he gives, and it is a process. See, what he wants us to say, when you follow the so that's of our passage, right? He gives you the wisdom and understanding so that you bear fruit and grow in knowledge, right? So, so that you grow in your strength. But also it says so that. So the process develop, also develops something that develops is patience and endurance. Two key things that we need in this life as followers of Jesus. So it's good news. The good news is this. The good news is that the score at halftime doesn't matter. It's the score at the end. And so when we talk about patience and endurance, when we're going to talk about in the context of our own walk as followers of Jesus, what we're saying is that even right now you have the opportunity to course correct that we can receive what God is pouring into us and allow the process to continue to make us like Jesus. We get this beautiful picture of what it is to have a life that is pleasing to God. So let's look at this process. It's God who fills with the Spirit. It's the reminder, the, the gospel reminder that says it's all about what God has done for you and for me. That he's the one that will initiate it and he's also the one that continues to pour in everything that we need and that we would know his will so that we can be filled, so that we can bear fruit. Filled, so that we can continue growing in our knowledge of God. Filled, so that his power would strengthen us and sustain us. And filled, so that we would have the patience and endurance that we will need to finish this race. Being filled with the knowledge of God's will is, is important. Uh, a society uh, just like ours, Colossia, had a high value on knowledge. See, we can learn a lot but it can be worthless, right? You can learn a lot, and the best thing, like if you know a ton of things about everything, the best chance you have is that you win Jeopardy, <laughs> right? 
I, I was like, if you stay in school long enough and you study hard enough, you can win Jeopardy. But what he's talking about is being filled with the knowledge of God's will. Because it's when we transfer that, that knowledge into wisdom. Because wisdom isn't just knowing things, it's knowing what to do with things. Knowing how to use what God pours into our lives. It's not the information that we need. We have more information than we've ever had before. There are millions and millions and millions of pieces of information are added daily to the internet. We've had more access to information than we've ever had. Working on a paper recently uh, for school, and as I'm writing, like, I had to find a word, so I jumped on thesaurus.com. Right? Who remembers like, having to actually flip to the book right? and go through all this? Like, like the crazy, like now it's just like you punch the word in, and it's there, and you have a ton of choices. We have information like never before. But see, that's the problem in the church for the church in Colossia and the church today is, is information is often seen as a means for a shortcut, right? We want to know things now so that we can avoid things. Like we want to know how is it, how, you know, instead of having just to save little by little and build up our savings account, how can we invest as little as possible in Dogecoin to become millionaires tomorrow, right? We, we see information as a means for shortcuts. And godly wisdom is the opposite. Godly wisdom pours in not as a means for shortcut, but as a means for endurance and patience so that we would have what we need to navigate the challenges of today. There aren't any shortcuts in becoming like Christ. It's a process. And the first thing that the process is is the process is purposeful. We are made for a reason. I, I just, I, if I could come down and sit, just look eye to eye with everybody. It was one of my favorite things with, when young people in youth ministry, when you get a chance to sit eye to eye with the person and they're awakened to this idea that they're not just designed to, to go to school, make money, and, and just be a cog in the wheel, but they are designed for an eternal purpose. And that purpose makes an impact today when it's yielded to Jesus. There's not, I mean, if, if I could sit with each of you and say, listen, like, there's not an age where this begins and not an age when it ends. It's as long as you are breathing on this planet, God has a purpose for your life. And the purpose is to bear fruit. And, and I want to be clear with this one, because so often we can think, okay, because even this passage says that you, you could you would bear fruit in the good things, right? That you would bear, in a, we could do things, we could even do things that people would call good but we would miss. We need what the Spirit pours into us to bear fruit that is eternal, to bear fruit that, that is lasting, to bear fruit, the actual fruit that we were designed to make. I think of like an apple tree. An apple tree doesn't sit there and go, you know what, today I'm going to make apples, but tomorrow I'm going to become a pear tree. And then after that, peaches. And I know it's a random Tuesday in December, but I'm going to make an apple right now. No. It's designed to make apples, and, it's, and there's a season for that to be designed. And the, the tree can't shortcut the season. It has to give itself to the process of fertilization, so photosynthesis, the water, all those things every year. And we have to submit to the process if we're going to bear fruit in, for God. That fruit is found uh, when we bear fruit, when we stay connected to God. John 15, 4 through 8 says, Remain in me, and as I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, but must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. See, my favorite thing about this passage, and we continue to read it, is like, it's like the most redundant passage of the scripture. Like, you get, okay, I get it. We have to stay in you or nothing, right? It just keeps going. But how many, how many of you are going to say, you know what? I need to hear that because I'm going to I forget quickly. 
But he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. See, the type of fruit that we produce is completely based on being connected to the vine, on our time spent with Jesus. See, it makes sense because it would be difficult when we're talking about that this process of becoming like Jesus, it makes sense to say that, it be, that we could become like someone without ever hanging out with them, after ever, ever never spending any time with them. See, we pick up habits when we hang out with people. We, we, we learn things about them. We hear, we hear their heart. And we know what, what they think and, and how, what makes them tick. And when we spend time with Jesus, when we abide, we bear fruit. It's the product. We don't have to force it. It just happens. The second thing is the process is relational. The process is relational. See, it says that we'd be filled so that we'd grow in a, within our knowledge of God. And see, knowledge is a tricky word. Uh, in our language, because we use the word know, like in everything, like I know uh, about football, and I know uh, who the president is, but I know my wife very different than I know the president, right, and, and the, the Spanish does a better job with this, they have the verbs uh, to know, it's like saber and conocer, right, and so if you Google Elon Musk right now, you can saber, you can learn some things about him, but if you jump on a yacht with him and you cruise the world with him, you're going to find out, does he chew with his mouth open? Right? Does he leave the toilet seat up? Right? What are the nicknames in the, uh, for his friends and his phone? You know, does he see an early riser? Is he late to bed? You're going to learn. You're going to, you are going to connoisseur something. You're going to really begin to know some things. And what God invites you and me into is a relational knowledge of one another. That we would step before him unmasked, unpretensed, and to see fully who we are, and also discover fully who he is. To have a knowledge, an experiential knowledge with him. It is not setting aside the mind. It's not an accident. The Bible says to love your Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This type of knowing is, is a full us. It's not just an intellectual assent or knowledge. It's like, it's with your heart, it's with the, everything in your being that you would know God. The third thing in this process is that it's ongoing process. The, the process of becoming like Jesus is an ongoing process. We never arrive. See, because it says that we would be strengthened according to his power and might. See, we can always get stronger in our faith. We can always get stronger in the things of the Lord. And it's, a, it's a, again, that reminder that it's not our doing. It's his might. It's his strength. See, we can, we can liken it to physical training, Right? We could talk about it in the, in the context of physical training because it'll help us understand. But first, uh, in, uh, first Timothy 4 says that physical training is some value, but godliness is value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So it's not a matter of physical training. It's a matter of what I would call faithical training, right? which is just a word I made up. And, but it, but faithical training is a training where we learn to trust in God's power and God's strength. See, the shortcut that we're often tempted to take is that, that we can do things in our own strength. That we can be tempted to believe that we don't need to rely 
on God's strength in moments. When God's like, no, when your, your coworker's giving you a hard time, that is the best time to rely on the strength of the Lord. Right? Because the strength of the world says, punch them. At least that's what it says to me. <laughs> but the strength of the Lord says, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have patience and kindness. I'm not going to respond that way. And so we need to train faithically. When I, when I first wrote that down, I'm like, I don't, I don't enunciate my syllables very well anyway. And so I'm like, faithical sounds like a lisp of physical. But it's still good. Faithical training. And we need to train faithfully. And so it's not push-ups and sit-ups and endless cardio. Someone says amen. It is, it is a growing in the trust and the character of God and his ways. It's his ways that we, when we've been wronged, when we've been slandered, when, when, when things have been, we've been unjustly treated, that's a chance to grow in our strength. See, in physical strength, if we want to grow, we have to increase the resistance that we lift. Right? We have to increase it. And it's the same when it comes to faith. If, and this is the part we don't like. We don't want to say, oh, I'm, who wants to sign up for more resistance in their life? Make life harder? Well, if we step out and say, I'm going to live a life that is worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in every good way, that doesn't have me at the middle, but has those around me in the middle, you are signing up for resistance. See, because it's easy to center life around us. And it doesn't come with resistance. You can have your way. I mean, look, who is, is it McDonald's or Burger King says you can have it your way, right? They have the, even the slogan. We can have just about anything you want your way. But God invites you and me to learn to be strengthened in his power. And see, this process takes time. But the result of the process is that we gain endurance and patience. And both of those things we need to become Christ-like. We need the endurance when wronged. We need the endurance in a world that vastly values something different than what we value. We need endurance through trials. We need endurance when we don't see the progress in our own lives that we want to see fast. We need patience. Patience, boy, we need patience mostly for ourselves. That the, that the clock just doesn't tick fast enough in our development. But we need to be patient. We need to be patient with our loved ones. We need to be patient with our brothers and sisters. It's why the Bible exhorts us to make allowances for the sins of our, friend, of our brothers and sisters in the Lord. As we transition to close, and we hear this invitation to lean into this process and, and, and say, you know what? I know I've been called to be like Jesus. And I've got some things in my life to do to, to orient it around them. Would we hear the urgency and the simplicity in the Apostle Paul's language? See, because when he's writing this, in this moment, all the fluff is gone. Years ago, our, our twins are uh, in juniors in college now, but years ago, uh, I was out washing my truck, and, uh, and Emma comes walking out. And, um, you know, we, we have an older son, Tyler, who's on staff here, and and so I'd had, like, the talk with Tyler, like, long before this moment. And, you know, that was my job as, you know, he's a boy. So I was thankful I had three daughters because now it's on Jess. And I, so I was done. Um, but she comes walking out. And it was at the time when Jess was, they were just starting to experiment, like, with makeup. And I'm so thankful on how Jess did it, right? We didn't really go through the clown stage that oftentimes you'll see, like, teenage girls go through. And, and, and. She, hey, I'm a youth pastor. I've seen it. <laughs> it's like, bless you, sister. <laughs> Might want to pump the brakes on that one. 
<laughs> but she came walking out, and she had, and and it just this hit me, as a young teenage girl, like that, that she was becoming a young woman. And as a dad, that's like the worst feeling in the world. And yet amazing. And I just felt this weight of this moment going, oh my goodness. And so I just said, and, and I just I mean, stopped what I was doing. And like, my kids are used to sappy moments with me. And but I said, Emma, I, said, Man, I, I want to tell you about boys. I know mom's taking care of the rest, but I'm going to tell you about dudes. I'm going to tell you about their real their motives. I'm going to tell you that the quietest kid in the class that never talks to anybody can wax very poetic when he wants to. And I began to just say, talk to her. I said, you know, you are beautiful. God has wired you. And can I tell you that the language I was using, because I'm like, I don't know how many shots like this I'm going to have. Because there are going to be other voices that are going to draw and pull and, and influence the way that she thinks. And I wanted her to know that her mom and dad loved her unconditionally that we were going to walk alongside her every moment, that I was going to hold her feet to the fire, that when she got off course, I'm going to put her back on course. But she needed to know that as she was developed, becoming this young woman and growing, that the process of growing up, that not only did God give her everything she needed, but he God gave her parents to help guide her and walk alongside her. In the same way, Apostle Paul writes to this, this church and says, listen, You've got to hear this. You're designed for this amazing purpose. You're designed, you're, you're made, the life of the follower of Jesus is extraordinary. It's counterculture, it's all those things. But you're going to need some things if you're going to make it, if you're going to finish. Would you stand with me this morning? Um, recently saw this um, cool illustration in prayer, and, I, and we're, if you'll indulge me, we're going we're gonna to jump into it this morning. It's a, it's, it's a Quaker tradition where when they would pray, they would, turn their, they would start with their hands, and they would turn them down like this. So I just invite you in. And all, all we're doing is when we're praying, we're talking about to Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is speaking to us on things that we need to let go. Right? If we've been holding on to yesterday's victories and God's saying to you today, there is more fruit to bear. If you've been holding on to sin like, and, and struggles and identity that's not healthy and God's saying, let it go today. You can live a life worthy. If you've been holding on to a wound, if you've been holding on to, to doing things in your own strength, God's inviting you this morning to just let that go. So Father, this morning we symbolically, we, we just release those things to you. We let go. Knowing that we don't have to hold on to them, that we don't cling to them, that, that we have everything we need in you. It's all we need. That your spirit will pour out. And so we let go uh, of our wounds. We let go of sin. We let go of habits. We let go of, of centering the world around ourselves so that we might receive and center the world around you. That we might live a life that honors you and glorifies you. Then they turn their hands over, just in a posture of saying, I'm going to receive from the Lord. And allow the Spirit to pour into you this morning. Is He calling you and talking to you about strength? Is He talking to you about bearing fruit? Have you pushed the pause button and growing and getting drawing close to the Lord? So, Father, we simply receive and open to you. 
that your spirit will pour out everything we need. God, that we would grow in patience and endurance. And we need your strength. We need your spirit to pour into us to, do, to get those things. And so we receive it this morning in your name. We thank you. We thank you for a life in you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, enjoy the rest of your Memorial Day weekend as you go from this place remembering the life that Jesus gave you. Have a great weekend.